Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Most critically important. All right, if you have a Bible, open up to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, if you have Bible or apps, go ahead and open it up right there. And in honor of God and His Word, would you please stand? I'm going to read this uh, to you, and uh, we're going to unpack this, hopefully, well together today. James 1, verses 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be slow to hear, quick to speak, quick to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay, almost. All right, you caught it. All right, I actually read it wrong. So read it with me, and when we get to the three phrases in the middle, say them with me, okay? Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, so I really screw this up, okay? I really mix up these words in life, and I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about, of course, why we shouldn't. You're going to immediately see what that is. Then we're going to talk about some of the verses around it, the words behind the words, the context. And then I'm going to give you a personal challenge that's going to result, if anybody does this challenge by the end of the day, uh, at the first of the week or Tuesday or so, I will send you a $5 gift card. So let me just tell you something. I am buying, buying you so that you would be quick to listen right now to the sermon, okay? So let's talk about why I mix up these words. You know, uh, James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But my default is slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to anger. Nothing has brought this out more than my uh, family. Many of you know that we've got two older kids. When they were young, uh, it became very clear how po- what a poor listener I was. One time, my daughter, who's now 21, but at the time was eight years old, asked me to play with her. She came up and said, Daddy, would you play with me? And I was so overwhelmed with work and so many things going on, I just wasn't even looking at her. I said, can you send me an email on that? And the whole house went quiet. They're like, oh, my gosh. Talk about a dad problem. That was clearly absent dad moment. And it wasn't just a moment. It happened a lot. I started noticing in middle school that our older two started going to Lindsay to talk, and they just skipped talking to me. And I realized in middle school, I've got to be quick to listen. I've got to ask questions. I've got to engage, and I'm glad I did that because uh, it really, they do reach out, and we do uh, have a really good communication now. So that's family 1.0. Family 2.0, two little boys that come here that are in elementary school, um, they you know, I already knew I had a listening problem, but one of the things I realized was I have a speaking problem uh, in the sense that I am quick to speak and I'm quick to get angry. And a lot of that was we had our ways of running. I was an older parent, 
and uh, the, we just kind of had a way of doing things, and there was an attitude I had with uh, our now 11-year-old when he was a baby of, like, we're a great family, fall in line. And when, so that's my expectations. And so when he didn't fall in line, what actually would happen was I started giving little dad lectures. Never mind the fact that he was two or three. And in addition to that, because he was a baby and because it wasn't fair from where he was coming from, I would be very quick to ang- be angry. And uh, this happens with us and our families all the time. We're often absent when it comes to listening. We are often getting into lectures because we know better than they do. And we often do escalate things because uh, it did not meet our expectations. Somebody else did not meet our expectation. Well, this happens obviously at work. Uh, I, I periodically talk to people about a bad boss, and a bad boss Sometimes there's an absent boss, and they come in, and they fly in, they poop all over everything, and they fly away. Seagull management, right? And so what's happening here is they are what? They are slow to listen. They're not really listening to what's going on. They come in, they poop over everybody, and so they are basically quick to speak, and they're also quick to get angry, and then they fly away. It happens all the time in a workplace. When I think about our culture, our social media, or political issues, or racial issues. In the last 18 months, the whole culture has seemed to embrace this wrong way of doing it, of being slow to hear, of quick to speak, and quick to anger. I mean, that defines what's happened, for the most part, in our, in our culture. Well, the question is, why? I'm asking myself first, why am I doing this? Why, am, why do I get these words mixed up? Well, I have a need... A need for, yes, all right, (laughs) I thought that would work, it worked, okay, yes, Top Gun, Maverick and Goose are saying this, but listen, the reason why I am not quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, the reason why I am slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to get angry is because I'm in a hurry. I've got twice as much quick, and James, the brother of Jesus, has twice as much slow. And that's what's happening. And hurry gets us into trouble. Hurry leads to misunderstandings. I can't tell you how many times I've come up from the basement, and I see some boys that need to do some work, and I start barking orders. And then all of a sudden I realize actually they're in the middle of doing their chores because their mother has already said that. So I have to literally come up, and I work on this a lot, uh, but not still, still a long way to go. And I'll come up and say, what's going on? And then I'm like, oh, okay, you're doing your chores. Great. I don't have to be the bad guy. I could just let things roll. I've got somebody that's parenting here with me. Um, but it leads to misunderstandings. It leads to self-deception. Because you get reality off. You don't understand where really somebody's coming from. Hurry also causes a lot of cleanups. I cannot tell you how many times I've hurried everybody to get in the car because we got to go. But the thing about it is once we're in the car, nobody's ever said, thank you, Dad, for pushing me. You love me and you just demonstrated. No, I've got cleanup to do once everybody's in the car because I'm in a hurry. Also, uh, hurry leads to anger a lot of times, but it's the anger that I desire. Notice the verse says, 
For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But let's just be honest. My anger often produces the rightness that I want. Right? It's not the righteousness of God. It's the rightness that I want. Because when I'm in a hurry, I often think, I am right. I am right. Why? Because I don't have the time to be wrong. That's going to require me to slow down, to listen, to learn. It's going to require me to possibly be corrected. And so I kind of walk around a lot of times when I'm hurried as if I'm wearing a hat that says, Warning, I am right. Okay, so how, how do you think this helps my relationships? It doesn't. It kills relationships. It actually kills any productiveness that I desire to go towards. And by actually making a statement or doing something, and actually if I do get it right, a lot of times it produces something wrong in the relationship. So you can actually be right and truly be right, but get it all wrong. Uh, because it's the rightness that I desire. Um, you know, it would not be easier to wear this hat. If you wore this hat around, it would not be. I would love to sell this hat to anybody here that is willing to buy it. And if so, I dare you to wear it around for a day and see what happens, all right? I'll give it to you, all right? But I want you to hear, tell me what happens because I don't, I'm not courageous enough to do that. But let's just be honest. A lot of times, my kids, my coworkers, uh, my neighbors will say, he's not wearing an I'm always right hat, but he sure is acting like it, right? This would actually be more clear a lot of times with my attitudes when I'm in a hurry. And we betray ourselves. You know, we've got our right hat on. We're like, I don't even know why they would say that. You know, we hear another perspective. I don't know why they would believe that. I don't know why they would do that. Well, here's something very basic that you already know. People say, do, and believe what makes sense to them. Right? I mean, they don't just, they, people don't just say random things that they totally disagree with, that they totally don't believe in. They, they usually mean what they say. Now, they might be wrong, but there's, when we say, I don't know why they would, we're basically betraying ourselves. We're saying, you know what, maybe we really don't know. And so, uh, it's important to say, hey, we do reverse these words in our everyday life. We are slow to hear. We are quick to speak, and we are quick to get angry, and it's hurting our relationships. It's making a huge hit on the people we love, on the people we work with, on the people that we're around. And so we need to get it right. So why should we keep these words in order? It should already be clear to you because it's going to boost understanding. It's going to help people feel heard, know they're heard. Not only that, it's going to uh, lower self-deception you're probably going to see reality a little bit more clearly if you're really doing James's words, being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Also, um, it's probably going to lower your anger. James is not saying don't be angry. He's saying be slow to be angry. And this is both the decision and the result. It's a decision that I'm going to be open-minded. I'm going to hear first. 
I'm going to speed second. That's my second priority. But I'm going to show up early to hear. I'm going to show up a little late on what I'm going to say. But ultimately, I'm also going to make a decision to where I can understand where we're coming from, uh, which is going to lower my anger. But it's also a result because the more you listen and learn, the, le- uh, the lower your anger often is because you start seeing that somebody else has a reasonable perspective or at least it makes sense how they got there, okay? Um, I um, had such a problem with this that about a year, with one of my kids in particular, about a year ago, I went and saw a counselor and worked for about six to nine months on it. It's really been one of my number one projects all this year. Uh, And it's just the area that I had to grow. And she helped me see I'm in a hurry. She helped me see I'm being self-righteous. She helped me see that I'm assuming this one child's being disrespectful when that's assuming intent. And in essence, it wasn't that at all. Uh, and it really tremendously helped me to just downshift into that. I think about a mentor I had that taught me how to coach. And his name was Bob Logan. And he said, listening is the ultimate other-centered activity. Listening is the ultimate other-centered activity. And I, gosh, I'm not sure if it's the ultimate, but I get his point. And I will say, if you want to make a difference, listen. If you want to see healthy kids grow up, listen. That You can't control it. It's not your responsibility to change them, but man, it makes a huge difference. If you want to make a difference with uh, something uh, that has to do with your belief, listen first. Uh, what we're basically talking about is empathy, something that I totally grew up completely disregarding. My family was possibly the lowest family in the history of the planet on empathy. And I was driving down to Jeff's house about two weeks ago, and I saw this bumper sticker, empathy will set you free. Empathy will set you free. And you know what my first response was? That's stupid. I actually said that. That's stupid. Why? Because I was like, what did Jesus say? The truth will set you free. And I was like, how dare you take my Savior's words and change them? And how simplistic is that to think that empathy, just knowing where somebody's coming from, is going to set you free? And then it hit me. That's exactly the point, is this is a bumper sticker to Christians, to Jesus followers, that's saying, watch your reaction. You're not even willing to listen. You're not even willing to consider it. And actually, it was pretty brilliant, even though I kind of still hate it. I still do. I didn't get over that. But, you know, um, empathy is critical, and I don't want to dismiss it. Um, Empathy is critical. It's walking a mile in someone else's shoes. You know, many of you familiar with Daniel Goldman's work on emotional intelligence, and he basically makes the point that emotional intelligence has better uh, productive value than uh, actual, like an academic or IQ. EQ outdoes IQ in most work environments. And, And one of the things to be emotionally intelligent is to empathize, and it makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm just going to say that this passage is more than just about empathy. We're about to get there. But it's really important to look at our default 
and to consider how we're handling things orally because it does relate uh, to what James is saying. So, uh, because when you think about it, even though you do empathize with somebody, it doesn't guarantee it's going to set you free. I can empathize with somebody that doesn't believe something that's true, and that's not going to result in life change for me. I can uh, listen to fake news, and more likely, I'm not going to speak more truth. I'm going to speak more fake news. Or I can listen to bad news about myself, about someone else, about a viewpoint in the world, and most likely, if I really believe that, I'm going to spread that bad news. So what we're listening to is really important. And so let's look at the context. Let's back up here and look a little bit at verses 16 through 21. So when I get to the bolded words again, same phrases, I want you to repeat them with me. Here it is, James 1, 16 through 20. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. All right? Of his own will, God, he brought us forth by the word of the truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Know this. Here we go. You're about to get your part. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so what James is saying here is, first, receive the word. Be quick to hear the word. He says it in the verses right before it, in verse 18, the word of truth. And later on, the implanted word, the verse following immediately what we just read. All right? He's saying, first, be uh, be, uh, quick, be quick to listen to the truth. You know, my dad in 1950 went to the University of Texas. Have I ever brought up the University of Texas before? All right, he went to the University of Texas, and in 1950 he would walk by the main mall and look up at the tower. And there, still to this day, about 100 feet long, are uh, the inscription, uh, the main inscription, like huge, each letter is quite big. The truth will set you free. And he just thought, that's interesting. And he would walk by it every day. And later on, when my brother uh, passed away, he was then on a quest of what just happened and became on a quest for what's the truth. And because he knew, if that was right, that the truth would set him free. And it made a huge difference in his life. We need to realize that Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the implanted Word in us, the one that saves our souls, is the very one that set us free, and He keeps setting us free. He keeps going on. This word saves, uh, soterion, is uh, here in verse uh, 21. It says, uh, it's the same word for healing. It's the same word for healing. It is the Word of God that will heal you. It will heal your relationships. It will heal your souls. It will heal you. And so that's why he says, put away all filth, right? And rampant wickedness. And what does he mean by that? Well, filth in antiquity was used of talking about medically earwax. 
So he's literally saying, clean out your ears and, and listen. And then put away rampant wickedness, which is like uh, ill will, it's hatefulness, it's building off this anger that's full of malice, okay? And so we're supposed to put it away. So the, the attitudes and belief systems, the, the behaviors that really are indicating, in this case, of self-righteousness, I'm right, I'm the one in the know, y'all need to follow me because we're going to get stuff done by the way my agenda all that stuff you need to take off and put away. That's the idea. You discard bad clothing. You discard what's old. And then you receive with meekness the implanted word. It actually says the word meekness, which is similar to the word humble, but it has a little bit more to it. All right? Meekness has this uh, perspective of submission and restraint. It's like a thoroughbred. It's like sea biscuit. So if you look at a picture of Seabiscuit, um, you'll see, like, like, that is submission to the jockey, submission to the trainer and all the training. It's restrained, it's harnessed, and it's powerful. What actually happened with Seabiscuit was his first 40 races, he lost uh, all but 10 of them. He really wasn't that great. And a new trainer took him over and a new jockey and pushed him to become one of the greatest thoroughbreds of all time. Now consider that how that disciplined uh, power, that restrained power, think about how productive, how much it wins in comparison to the Rolling Stones, okay? Now the Rolling Stones sang a song, says, I'm free. I'm free to do what I want any old time. It's a great tune. It's a horrible message. Because, and then it's like so ridiculous because then he says, love me, hug me. I'm like, nobody's going to love you. Nobody's going to hug you. You're being totally selfish. Anyway, I was listening to this the other day, just singing. I was like, this is a horrible song. I just loved it, you know. It's so great. But it just, the message is terrible. It's the opposite. Look at that tongue, right? That Mick Jagger. I don't know who wants to hug or love Mick Jagger, but... Look at that tongue. And this kind of goes with what James is saying. He says in verse 26, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. When you are not listening, when you're being quick to tell everybody what you think, because you're right, when you're really prone to get angry, what actually is happening here is people are dismissing you and also dismissing the belief system or your perspective completely. And so uh, we need to receive with meekness uh, the word. We need to receive it as if we have some power that needs to be restrained and trained by our master. We need to let God direct us wherever we go. And what that means, I also dare anybody to take this for a day and wear, is you put on the humble hat, right? You put on the humble hat. You say, I am willing to learn. I'm willing to hear different perspectives. I could be wrong. And you are worth it for me to slow down for. 
you are worth it for me to stop whatever is on my plan and listen to what you have to say. Uh, the humble hat basically is something that metaphorically my counselor worked, me on, worked on me. She's like, you're assuming uh, one of your children is disrespectful, but you're being uh, pretty proud to just assume you know what's in the mind of somebody else. And so we talked about putting on the humble hat. Well, the humble hat allows you to recognize God in the words of others. It also allows you to really hear the word of God and open up to it and receive it. Receive the instruction and direction, the training and restraint of your master and is able to go in the direction. You think about Jesus. He became a man. He let go of all the heavenly attributes, the godly attributes that, man, we all long for. I mean, like, we want to be all-knowing. We want to be all-powerful. You know, it's all those uh those attributes that are hard for us to communicate and understand, but that's the ones we really want. And Jesus let goes go. And they still embrace some of the godly attributes like grace and humility. He still did that. Jesus himself was meek. And in fact, if you think about how many times in his ministry he stopped to listen before he spoke, it happens again and again and again. How many times he starts with a question and here's their response, to fully hear what they're going. And sometimes that is, you got it absolutely right. I, I, I validate and I hear uh, evidences of grace in what you're saying. And sometimes like, well, you might say that, but I would say this. And so he has this beautiful way in his ministry to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And, of course, on the night before he was betrayed, or the night he was betrayed, the night before he died, he actually in the garden said to his father, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Like, I don't want to die. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He received the word, God's word, his father's word, with meekness. And he let go of control. And that's what this is ultimately about. you got to let go of control. And when you let go of control, trusting in God, what actually happens is you get the power of life. That's what happened with Jesus. He let go of control. He said, not my will, but your will be done. He let go even control of his own life, and it unleashed the power of the resurrection. Because the implanted word, the word of truth, God's word, makes a difference. It brings life. But when it comes to your kids, when it comes to your roommates, when it comes to uh, your relatives, your sisters, your brothers, your parents, grandparents, your cousins, the one that embarrasses you so much, uh, when your coworkers and the coworkers that uh, just drive you crazy and just consistently are causing more problems than they are providing solutions, when it, when it comes to your neighbors and especially the neighbors that just don't fit or just uh, do things so differently you don't want to give the time for. These are the people to put on our humble hat and say, you know what? Jesus has given me new life. And because Jesus has given me new life, I can spread that light by being quick to listen, slow to speak, 
the slow to anger. Later on, when we take communion in the last couple songs, I want you to think about Jesus' body and blood being broken and shed for you. And when you do it, I want you to take it this time to think about that he let go of control. That God came down to the humble place and that unleashed life. And as you receive this, that gives nourishment to you, you realize his death brought you life. And so when you take that, I want you to think about letting go of control, letting go of your way and your power. All right, let's get to the Starbucks challenge, okay? I got a challenge for you, okay? Uh, and I, re- I genuinely will, will buy this, okay? I will do this. I know I'm an employee on the church, but I'm going to actually pay for it myself, okay? Just for all, you know, be above board there. So, uh, so uh, I want you to do one of two challenges. I'll, I'll let you pick, okay? And today, the rest of the day, I want you to do one of these challenges. And if you get it done by the end of the day, email me. And then I'll send you on Tuesday a Starbucks gift card, okay? This is it. If you're going to not be with people all day, okay, this is your challenge. If you're not going to be with people, open up the scriptures and ask open-ended questions to be quick to listen. Come right back to the same one if you want and go further, okay? And I'm going to give you some ways to ask good open-ended questions, all right? Uh, there's something called five W's and an H, all right? And these are the questions that are really great ways to start with open-ended questions. Who, what, where, why, when, and how. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. Five W's and H. So let's do this with the passage. Who wrote the passage? James. Great. What does he want us to know? Well, give us one of the commands. Yes, okay, so uh, let's take that one. Let, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's one of the things he wants us to know. Well, on that, why does he want us to know that? Because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So all we've done is ask open-ended questions of the Scripture and let us kind of form what we're talking about this morning. Uh, where does every good gift come from? From above, from the Father of lights, of whom there is no change. It's consistent there. Uh, when do I put away filth and wickedness? Tomorrow? No. Right now. That's when I do it. And then finally, how should you receive the word? With humility. Yes. Okay? So that's what we're doing. We're asking five W's in an H. Who, what, when, where, why? And how? If you open up your passage and you study for however long you choose it and you ask open-ended questions, email me and let me know you got it done, john at oakcitychurch.com, and I will send you a $5 Starbucks gift card. I probably should go 10 but I'm cheap. Okay? All right. Now, if you're going to be with people the rest of the day, here's the, here's the tough one. Ready? Start every conversation today with the question. All right? Start every conversation today with a question. Every 
conversation with a question. If I walk in, <laughs> if I if I walk into you, Lindsay, what's a, a question you could ask me? How you doing? That counts, okay? So you actually can do this, all right? Now, one of the things I don't want you to do is lead uh, or have a leading question, a question that's actually like, so I want to I unpack this, five W's and H. You're going to do the same thing. If you've ever learned that with Bible study, this is exactly what I do with coaching and asking questions. I'll walk up the stairs and say, these kids need to do their chores. I'm like, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. Uh, I, I could ask a question, a wrong question. Why aren't you boys doing your chores? Okay, that's not, that's a leading question. I could ask and say, what's going on? Okay, so in the same way, if you've ever learned this before, just stop, pause, take your sentence, put a, one of the five W's and an H on the front of it, and then ask an open-ended question. Let me give you some closed and open-ended questions. Who do you think you are? Okay, that is not, that's not, but who are you is more accurate. Uh, what could you say to possibly change my mind? Okay, that's not really an open-ended question. Um, w instead, what do you want me to know? Or when you're going to take responsibility? Uh, well, you're basically calling the person irresponsible. Right? These are closed questions that are conversation killers. Instead, you want to just say, hey, when can you get it done? All right. Another one, instead of why should I listen to you, What's important to you? What do you want me to know? You know, instead of how can you serve me, it's how can I serve you? Okay, so this is it. You're going to start, if you're up for the set, if you're going to be with people, try to start every conversation with the open-ended question. If somebody else is in the room and you're both doing this, that would be kind of funny too because you know what's going on. That's okay. It's okay. You're like, hey, I'm just going for the Starbucks gift card. I'm, I know I need to listen, but honestly, the coffee sounds good. We'll go with it, okay? Listen. A good open-ended question is uh, it, it pulls out what God has put in. A good open-ended question pulls out what God has put in. And you've got to remember, in one sense, we can read this passage and say, yes, it is telling us to read our Bible and pray every day and we'll grow, grow, grow. If you remember the old kid's song with that. But it really is, does more than that. Because this was an illiterate culture where they had to listen orally to evidences of grace and say, ah, that's the gospel. And so it is a both and. So I want you to listen to God and others and do this by the challenge at the end of the day. Okay? All right, listen. Jesus died to give you life. And you can bring life if you are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word and how relevant it is uh, to every single one of us. It's that control thing that gets us a lot of times. It gets me just to want to be in control. I just want to kind of figure out what my plan is and get it done and do it the way I want it to be done and everybody to fall in line. And it is so unloving. Father, I really want to read your word and 
just assume you mean things that sometimes you don't and just jump to conclusions and just say some things and believe some things that really are convenient for me rather than meekly receiving your word. Help us be trained. Help us restrain our tongues and help us find the power of your word behind all the words that are going around us every day. In Jesus' name, amen.